Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manny Galarza. Today we're going over Invicta FC 51, Tenant vs. Bernardo, coming up on Wednesday, the 18th of January, with an 8.30 p.m. Eastern start time. This event will be the one coming up right after the first UFC fight night of the year. I love the midweek action, excuse me. I like that, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern start time. You're wrapping up the rest of your day. Maybe you just had a, you know, a nice dinner. Kick back, get a glass of wine, and watch some high-quality women's mixed martial arts. If you don't know, Invicta is a women's-only organization. Shout-out to the ladies. Girl power. And they have a lot of fighters that have made their way from Invicta into the UFC. A lot of them are skipping my memory right now, but the point is, you know, the Raquel Penningtons and, um, yeah, there's a lot of them. <laughs> I'm just skipping my mind right now. But we're going to go over each fight in this card, one fight at a time. There's eight total bouts. We'll give you the pick to win each fight. We'll discuss some props, but prop betting for Invicta is very limited. And I need to warn you that live betting is non-existent, at least on DraftKings. So if you're looking to live bet, like you want to put together a parlay, and you want to hedge it the other night, no can do. No bueno. So whatever you have locked in, is going to be locked in until the fights are all over. Prop bet-wise, you're going to find some over-unders, the over two and a half, under two and a half range for the three-round fights. There are two five-round fights in this fight card. The last two fights, the co-main event and main event, are championship fights. The co-main event's a vacant belt, and then the main event with Tenet versus Bernardo will be Tenet defending her belt for the second time now in a row. Nonetheless, we're going to have, um, yes, eight bouts in total, live scoring. I do want to preface this live scoring thing, though. The live scoring system that's offered in Invicta, which means that between rounds, we get the score. We get to find out who's up 10-9 and vice versa. The corners also get the information. Fighters and or judges, I'm sorry, judges, and or coaches in the corner can opt to not receive the information, okay? And there are some fighters who've said they don't want to see it. They just want their coach to see it so the coach can coach them accordingly, if that makes any sense. In any case, we see it as fans. It's super dope. So if you're going into that fifth round of a five-round championship fight, it is close. You know if it's 2-2. You know if it's 3-1. You know, you have an idea of where you stand. Or the same case of a three-round fight. Love that system. But there is one caveat. That system is run, operated, policed, regulated state by state. And so some states simply do not have a commission that has authorized that. And I say it because most of the events for Invicta are being held in, I believe, Kansas? It's either Kansas or Missouri, one of those two states, somewhere there in the Midwest. And this fight's being held in Denver, Colorado. And so from that standpoint, I, I have a sneaking suspicion. I remember from a past event that they couldn't do the live scoring in Colorado because of that. And so when that happens, when Invicta travels to other states, they can't do it. They just don't do it. I'm crossing my fingers and hoping we do have it. I think it's the wave of the future. I think, I think all mixed martial arts organizations should at least consider this test it out, do something, because, I mean, how many times does a fighter or fans be going to that final round and we think one way and it would just be really helpful if we kind of knew the damn score like a basketball game or a football game. Anyway, with that said, we'll give you our picks to win each fight. We'll talk about some of the prop bets for the over-under spots, and at the end, we'll give you a summary of those picks as well, along with maybe a few parlays. If you haven't done so already, look at our description below. Sign up for our newsletter on Substack. That newsletter is absolutely 100% free, 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 free. It includes the breakdowns for all the fights that we do on our podcast. So for this breakdown right here, for example, if you go to our Substack newsletter, you sign up, you will receive that newsletter with a full write-up 
breakdown, description, numbers, stats, the whole nine on every single fight in this card. And that comes out for every Invicta card, every UFC card, every Bellator card. Again, sign off that newsletter. It's a great way to support our channel and support our content. It's free of charge. It's all through Substack. And if you're not following us on Twitter, also do that. Look down below for all our social handle stuff, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, we appreciate the files. We appreciate the support. With that said, guys, let's jump into it. Here we go. Okay, so according to Tapology, the first fight in the card for Invicta FC 51 is supposed to be about in the strawweight division, 115 pounds, between Tanya Nijar and Sayuri Cannon. The thing I say about this being supposed to be the first bout is the way this one looks right now, according to Tapology, this may be like an exhibition bout, may not be available to bet on. I've seen some lines out there, then the lines actually went back down. So with this fight right here, can't be sure it's even going to be available to bet on. I'll give you a synopsis of what we found out about it and how we feel about the potential winner and whatever else. But uh, a lot of X's and Y's and different variables here that we really couldn't you know, fill in. In the case of Ciari Cannon, she's been out for a while, no film on her. So you, know, you kind of get where we're going with this. From a betting perspective, you're probably better off just fast forwarding to the next fight in the video if you actually want some some real breakdown knowledge because this fight right here, it's gonna be very peanut butter and jelly and not a lot of actual you know meat to it. So, but with that said, let's start into it. Tanya is one and from Canada, from British Columbia, Canada to be exact, 28 years old, five foot two in height, no reach number on her. She trains out of Toshido MMA. As for Sayuri Cannon, She's 2-0, so she's got one more fight under her belt. She's out of Colombia, and we have nothing else in her other than the fact that she trains out of Club Equipo Serrano. Uh, look, these gems that they list on Tapology sometimes they're not accurate, so these fighters may both not even be at those respective gyms. And in the case of Sayuri Cannon, we don't have much to go on. When you pull up her actual Tapology of who she's fought, she fought about a year ago, so about April of 2021. So she didn't fight at all last year, so coming off about a year and year and a few months layoff. She fought Elizabeth Avila. She won that fight by decision. Now, Elizabeth Avila is carrying a record of one and four. So kind of a young fighter. Her prior fight was against Yvonne Ocampo, and that was back in 2016. <laughs> okay, Yvonne Ocampo is officially 0-1. All right, so we have a fight in 2016 about six, seven years ago. We got a fight about a year ago against Elizabeth Avila, and then she had a 2018 amateur fight against Andrea Payne. And if you're doing the year math there, yeah, she had an amateur fight 2018, a pro fight 2016. Yeah, so what I'm telling you is we have no clue. Whatever information we have off of Tapology may not even be legitimate, <laughs> put it that way. So she's coming from pretty much a hole in the wall, coming from Colombia. Not for nothing, Colombia is not known for having an amazing regional scene for fighting. Um, there's maybe one or two fighters that I could think of that have been like in Bellator or on the edges of the UFC that are from Colombia. Now, with that said, I'm not saying Colombian people are not strong and not, you know, fighters, probably in boxing, there's a few more than boxing, but when it comes to mixed martial arts, not very established. In the case of Sayuri Cannon, I have to talk about things like this because I don't have much to go off to be able to give you an analysis that's backed up by numbers and research and having watched her on film because we haven't watched her on film, right? So this would be the prototypical red flags. Big time layoff, hasn't fought in a while, no no, no opponents of any kind of, you know, um, real competitiveness. As a matter of fact, the combined record of all three of her opponents, her one amateur fight, which was actually after her first pro fight, whatever the combined record is two and nine for those three opponents we could see two things one she comes in here looks totally different we 
underestimated her. We went on the numbers here and didn't, you know, didn't see something and she comes out, looks great. The other reality is she comes in here and just looks really bad. Just looks like what we're seeing here, which is just uh, not much to go off of. All right, so as for Tanya, we did get to see about a minute of film on her. It wasn't much to go off. She fought an opponent that was two and two overall in that fight, and that was her one pro fight because she's one and zero. She had a seven year break between her first pro fight and her last amateur bout. I'm assuming she was, you know, diving in, doing the training, getting better. No, I, I imagine she, you know, probably went away from mixed martial arts, did something else, and now came back to it. Maybe she saw all the money that the fighters are making nowadays, and she wants to jump on the train. JK. In any case, uh, she looked okay in this fight that we watched on film. And let me just bring up her topology. It was the fight against, excuse me, against Alibeth Miliron. Interesting name, Alibeth Miliron. Alibeth Miliron, who's two and two based upon what I saw in film, wasn't, you know, wasn't anything special. And uh, she loses the fight by a round one rear naked choke. So you get a chance to see Sayura. Sayuri, I'm, I'm sorry, Sayuri. You get a chance to see Tanya Nijar have some grappling skills, have a submission. I'm going to just assume that based upon the fact that Tanya has a little more relevant experience, um, has fought four total mixed martial arts bouts between her amateur career, which is all back like 2015, um, I think she probably gets gets the win here. Um, but man, stay away from this fight from a betting perspective. There's not much to you want to get involved with, I'd say if you're going to get involved with some props, maybe Tanya by decision and the fight going over two and a half rounds, you know, we get two low level fighters. They're just going back and forth. And the weight class again is what? 115 pounds. Yeah. And then again, what Tanya had a ch- rear naked choke. Maybe she comes in there and gets another rear naked choke. <laughs> okay. So this fight, like I said, it may not be available to bet on. Don't sweat it. If you're a fan of Tanya's or if you're watching this channel and you know her and you're rooting for her, you go, girl. Uh, if you're a fan of Sayura, Sayuri Cannon and we've underestimated her, lo siento, as they say in Spanish. I apologize. We didn't have anything to go off of, but maybe she comes out here and surprises people. From a betting perspective, the money line that we had projected for this fight, excusez-moi, give me a second, um, for Cannon and Nijar. We don't have a protected money line. That's right, because this fight, I don't think even is going to open in the books. But if I have to guess offhand, I'm going to say Najar opens at like minus 210. And you've got uh, Canada's side is like, you know, plus 160, plus 170 range. And even at dog money, I wouldn't touch either one of them. I wouldn't touch, you know, Najar at minus two to one odds. I would just maybe sprinkle that over two and a half. If you're going to do like a, a long parlay on every fight in the card, do the distance props. You know, with these women's fights, I feel like, you know, light especially lighter women's fights, 105 pounds and stuff, you know, just take those distance props, probably them have some fun with those. And maybe you're better off than trying to choose sides going to those ugly scorecards and yada, yada. So anyway, the pick is Tanya Najjar to win and we're on him to win the fight by decision. Let's move on. All right. Next fight in the card is going to be a strawweight battle at 115 pounds between Fatima Klein, who goes by the Archangel, and Laura Gallardo, who goes by La Jefa. And La Jefa, I believe, translates to the boss. It's usually El Jefe, which would be in the male form, but La Jefa makes sense. She's a female, so she's referring to herself as the boss, the boss lady. Well, the boss is 4-1 overall. She's from Mexico, but now based out of California. 
She's five foot one in height, so quite short for this division. I mean, it's 115 pounds, but still she'll be on the shorter edge of most of her fights. And so you can imagine that shorter stature means she's probably more of a grappler right off the bat, right? Five foot one with a 64 inch reach straight out of Kings MMA. Very good, Jim. As for Fatima Klein, I'm going to tell you guys right now a little biased here because having watched recent film, having watched her fight, she's a grappler. She's done a bunch of grappling tournaments and whatnot. She's got such a quick twitch. She moves very athletically. Um, I think she's a fighter that makes her way into the UFC in the next two years. I'm just going to put the stamp in it right now. That's how highly I feel of Fatima Klein. I'm not saying she's going to become a top 10 contender in the UFC. I don't know how far her potential can go. But as of right now, she's going to she's gonna pretty much shave ass in Invicta and beat a lot of these ladies here, go undefeated Invicta, and in two years from now, within the two years from now, gets a call up to Dana White Contender Series or something and makes her way to the UFC. That's what I see of her potential. So with that said, she's only 2-0. and oh. <laughs> I know, right? Calm down. But again, a lot of grappling experience, which we'll talk about in a second. She's from New York, but not New York City. Upper Whopper Ping Falls. I'm not sure where that's at. I'm more from New York City, so Whopper Ping must be not in New York City. She's 22 years old, five foot six in height with a 67 and a half inch reach. So you have a five inch reach advantage and about a three and a half inch, uh, sorry, about a three and a half inch reach advantage with about a five inch height advantage. She's out of black hole jiu-jitsu. Okay, so looking at Adam McCline first, if you pull up her topology, the first thing you notice is not much mixed martial arts experience, but just tons of grappling bouts. I mean, she's doing tons of them. I'm not gonna count them all up for you. Let's put it this way. She's doing at least... I would say seven to 10 grappling bouts per year based upon I'm just sort of glancing through her typology. So that's where she sort of hangs her hat on. And she's grappling good competition. That's another thing. She's not going out there just grappling nobody. For example, she has a grappling submission armbar victory over Vanessa Demopoulos. Not for nothing, but Demopoulos is in the UFC and Demopoulos has also got her own submission, I believe, by armbar in the UFC as well. So she's, you know, she's gotten against some people. When you go through her topology, you recognize them. Like she's grappled against Juliana Miller. Juliana Miller, even though she lost to her by decision, Juliana Miller is currently in the UFC as well. So she's got, you know, pretty much this way. She's got grappling experience um, with MMA fighters that are of the UFC level. So when you look at this record of 2-0, it can be a little misleading. I'm curious how the line comes out um, on this fight. And as a matter of fact, I should have had it open and available, but I did. Let me see where our prediction was that on this fight right here give me one second while i uh kill some time here okay klein klein and gallardo okay so our projected money line is going to open at minus 300 in favor of klein with gallardo on the other side at plus 250 yeah i know it's a three to one situation i feel like that's what we're talking about here she's a much better fighter i understand Casual betters who don't know her, who haven't seen her on film or whatnot, might think, oh, it's, it's going to be too inflated. No, I think it's going to be around there. She's just that much better of a fighter. And for Gallardo, let's talk about these two fighters actually in more detail. Um, all right, so Fatima. I think Fatima Klein wins the fight inside the distance. That's my prediction. Not sure by submission or by TKO. I think she somehow at some point manages to finish the fight. So for Gallardo, she did sniff. You know, she sniffed the UFC. She was on Contender Series. She lost in Contender Series, and that was back in... I'm sorry, no, Contender Series. She was in the Ultimate Fighter. She won her first bout against Catherine Pep Pepraki. Now, Catherine Pepraki, who now is still fighting in Invicta, I believe, either Invicta or LFA. I think it's Invicta. She's had a bit of a rough go of it. That was a majority decision win that she had over Paprocki on the Ultimate Fighter. I watched that season. That was last season. Catherine Paprocki, for lack of better words, is a very average fighter. That's the best way to put it. So when you're looking at Laura Gallardo, she barely beat Paprocki. 
Next fight, she drops to Brogan Walker. Now, Brogan Walker went pretty far in the Ultimate Fighter. She ends up going, I believe, to the finale and loses against Juliana Miller. But I'm just going to put it out there. Brogan Walker, um, I don't see her getting an invitation to the UFC anytime soon unless they just have a real need for bodies because she's got some holes in the game and she didn't really separate herself, in my opinion, on the show. And when it came down to that finale against Juliana Miller, it was you know not even close. Um, matter of fact, I keep, I'm going to make sure I'm not speaking out of my you-know-what making sure that they did fight in that finale. Brogan Walker, yes, Brogan Walker fought against Juliana Miller in August and lost in that finale. So when it comes to Laura Gallardo, she's got a win by split decision over her, her, uh, Helen Peralta. That was back in CFFC 2021. A win over Jessica Vargas. But man, this is low-level competition. I think she's just been kind of barely keeping herself above water. The fact that she was on the Ultimate Fighter, great experience, awesome. But with Fatima Klein, when you look at her on film, <laughs> she is so athletic, moves so quickly. I would be really surprised if at some point she doesn't overwhelm Gallardo and find a submission or find a way just to maybe get a TKO and just overwhelm Gallardo. Gallardo is an average athlete in terms of you know her her reaction time, her her you know her power, her technique. On the flip side, Fatima Klein is just doing with a whole different set of you know skills, and it's very quick and very explosive. So when it comes to her submission ability from Fatima Klein, you can argue that it's it's world class. You know, for a 115 pound division where you're not going to see a lot of submission, I'm sorry, a lot of finishes, she's got that ability, the rare ability in this weight class to actually finish people, not by knockout per se, but by submission. I think what she does is she runs through this division. <laughs> I think she's going to be beating people up left and right. The submission ability is is just so advanced. If she faces any fighters that are shorter, she'll take advantage of them because of her length, her arms, her legs. If she faces a fighter who's taller, she'll pull apart their limbs. Um, you know. So again, on the flip side, people are going to say, well, if her boxing's not good, well, what if she gets tagged? It's a 115-pound division. 115-pound uh, female fighters probably not going to be laying the wood on their strikes. And so she can afford to take a few strikes coming on in to find her ability to get the fight to the ground, to find her way onto someone's back, to chase any kind of what heel hook or anything she could afford to give a position. She could find submissions from her back. I think the sky's the limit here. So I believe Klein opens as a heavy favorite. I like her inside the distance. And again, the only reason why I'm not fully on the side of a submission win for her is because I can see her also getting on top and abandoning her, her jiu-jitsu because of a chance just to some ground and pound and finishing the fight that way. But if Laura Gallardo can get this fight to the full distance, I would be impressed. The betting spots that we like the most of this fight are Klein into the distance and the fight not going to decision. Now, just pause here for a second. If the fight were going to decision, which would be a surprise to me, and you're holding a ticket for Klein, I think she still prevails and wins the fight. But that would be a an outcome that I'm I'm not really you know I'm not I'm not seeing happen put it that way it would be very surprising to see this, see this fight go three full rounds have it be close where Rihanna Amanda is being able to defend herself for 15 minutes against someone who's just got such high potential submission ability in the whole nine so crazier shits happen but if you like Rihanna Amanda to win I believe that's by a decision that would be her path to victory. Good news is live scoring. We will know the score after round one. And if after round two, they'll give it to us on the screen and the fighters will also be aware of it. Um, I believe that's the case. I actually have to double check because in Colorado, they have a different commission than they do in Kansas where they do their other events. Anyway, it should be a live scoring system. I love that system. It's great for the fans, great for the fighters. The pick is Rihanna Amanda to win. 
I'm sorry, right? I mean, that's the other fight. The pick again is Fatima Klein to win the fight. He said the distance. Let's move on. Okay, moving up the card. Next fight's going to be another Adam Weight battle at 105 pounds between Katie Soul, who goes by Queen of the North, versus Rihanna Amanda. And just a reminder, the graphics, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're seeing the money lines that we've put there. Those are our projected estimated money lines. The lines are not out at the time of the, this video being produced. So I apologize if the lines come out and they're way off from what we have here, but uh, those are our predicted lines. If you follow us on our newsletter, we do put out our official picks roughly 24 hours before the fights kick off. And the reason why it's so close to game time is Invicta usually doesn't have lines available until 24 to 48 hours before the event. So we don't want to put out lines or put out bets on something that's not accurate. So that's why we wait until a little bit closer to fight time. But follow us on our newsletter. That link's down below in the description. It's a free newsletter through Substack. We give it our picks. And uh, also the breakdowns are written. Um, so the breakdowns that we do here on video, um, they are available via written form. Anyway, back to this fight. So Adam Weight Bout, 105 pounders. So small, athletic, firecrackers. Katie Sewell is five and five overall. She hails from Canada. Now she's based out of Dublin, Ireland, 35 years old, five foot four in height with a 63 and a half inch reach. And she trains out of Winnipeg Academy of Mixed Martial Arts. As for the Brazilian, Rihanna Amanda, 12 and six overall. So a little more experience. She's out of Para, Brazil, 27 years old, five foot two in height. So both of them are, you know, fairly short in stature, but looks like about two inches on the side of Katie Sewell in terms of the height advantage and for reach about an inch and a half there for Katie Sewell with 63 and a half inch reach compared to 62 inches for Ryan Amanda and Amanda trains out of Mirajo brothers team. All right. So let me look at my notes here on these two fighters. Oh yeah. First things first, Amanda was on Dana White contender series. She lost by decision. That was just last year. After that uh, loss by decision, she came back and won her next fight by submission and submissions are more or less her thing. She has seven of her 12 wins not just by submission, but by armbar. So specifically the armbar is her thing. And if you know anything about armbar submissions, those can be executed most of the time from a neutral to basically back position, put it that way. So she's the kind of fighter where she could be on her back, but still quite dangerous. And I imagine, you know, if they roll around a little bit at some point, she's going to at least make an attempt for an armbar, but uh, it's to just keep in mind for prop bets. We don't usually discuss prop bets for Invicta. They're usually not available on DraftKings or FanDuel, which is what we usually use as our main betting outlets. Uh, but if you do have a prop bet available, I would say Amanda Rana by submission would be something to look for. Uh, she lacks head movement. So on her feet, you know, usually fighters are, they're not, they're not multidimensional, right? So if you're really good on the ground, good at submissions, the, you know, the stand-up game tends to be where it's lacking. And so in the case of Amanda Rana, yeah, that's where she's not as good. She needs to be doing some grappling, get position control, attempt submissions. That's where, you know, uh, she's best. Now, another concern I have for her is her cardio. Later in the fight, everyone gets tired. Okay, so that's not, it's not unique to just her. Everyone past that midway point, they're fatiguing, their energy levels are going down. You know, mentally, you're trying to kick into that next gear. She really falls off in terms of her volume. So for women's fights at 105 pounds, what else do you have to hang your head on? You know, we're not going to see a lot of knockouts, not one punch knockouts. We could see some submissions, but more or less with 205 pound ladies, it sounds like I said 205 pounds, two ladies that are both 105 pounds. We're not going to expect a real quick knockout. So we're going to probably see 15 minutes of butterfly action, a lot of back and forth. And ultimately 
if Rihanna Amanda just slows down, has less output, that could leave her wide open to losing maybe the second part of round two, even into round three. And that's part of the reason why we do like Katie Sewell um, as a possible winning winner here. Now, I will go back to my initial prediction on this, and that's Rihanna Amanda to win by submission. That's our actual uh, pick. Um, I think Katie Sewell's got a shot. I think she's a decent fighter. Um, she's five and five, which is, you know, she's holding her own. Um, she's only been finished once by KO, so she's a pretty durable fighter. Um, she's going to have a height and reach advantage in, in this matchup. And on the feet, I mean, I'm going to give her the edge because when it comes to Rihanna, again, that's not really she takes care of her business. For Katie Sewell, she's also a natural southpaw, but she will switch stances. For, for again, for Rihanna on the feet, she's probably not going to deal with that. A southpaw, switching stances, a little bit better than her on the feet. So her takedown uh, offense and defense for Katie Sewell, that's going to be tested. At some point, Amanda's going to be going for the legs, looking for some kind of grappling, uh, any kind of way. And with women, you know, they have these sweeps and trips, and they have a different set of arsenal to sort of take each other down. Their takedowns are not as common as like the double leg takedowns you see from the guys that are more like prototypical wrestling takedowns. In any case, I can see Rihanna, you know, piggybacking her, dragging on her, trying to pull her down to the ground however possible to to make it a ground fight. And so for that reason, over 15 minutes, we do like Rihanna Amanda to get her eighth win by submission, specifically maybe by armbar. I don't know if a prop is available to get by specific what type of submission, but uh, if you could, it would behoove you to uh, bet on Rihanna Amanda by uh, armbar submission. The spots we like for betting purposes that should be available on DraftKings, we like the over, I'm sorry, the under two and a half rounds, and the fight does not go the distance. Either fighter by submission is worth consideration. So if you like Katie Sewell and you're thinking, well, you know, I talked about Amanda, you know, her volume, it, it tends to go off a cliff in the second half of the fight. Uh, she tends to lose a lot of energy. Could she open herself up? Yeah. Um, but something here tells me this fight does not go the distance. That under two and a half is, is something I do like as well. And uh, if you have the ability to bet on Ryan Amanda by submission, I think that's the best spot to go. For how much we're going to put here on this? We're talking a big game, right? Uh, not going to be very much <laughs> for the official bets. Again, subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, follow us on the Twitter or on the Instagram. We try to put all our picks out there, you know, at least 24 hours or so before uh, the fights kick off. But here's a fight I look forward to seeing. 205-pound uh, ladies going to be going at it back and forth. But again, the official pick here is Ryan Amanda to win the fight by submission. And if I had to pick a round, I'm going to say round number two. That's the breakdown, guys. Let's move on. Moving on up the car, we've got an atomweight bout that's 105 pounds. We don't have this division in the UFC, so you have to enjoy it while you can. And Invicta, two small fighters, 105 pounders. I mean, think about that. That's just barely over the century mark. I'm probably like double that weight. Oh my goodness. Embarrassing. Anyway, Marissa Messer Balencia. I think it's Balencia. I could be saying it wrong. Maybe it's Balencia. But she's an American fighter with an Italian last name. She goes by the Spider Monkey. Very cute. Up against a Brazilian, Alessandra Ferreira. Alessandra goes by Alessandro Lili Ferreira. Quite cute. Ferreira is 4-2 overall. She hails from Minas Gerais, Brazil. I don't know why I tried to pronounce that, but I did. 24 years old. She is a whopping 5'1 in height. With a 59.4 inch reach. I'm not laughing because of her reach. I'm laughing at myself for mispronouncing the names. Okay. She trains out of a gym called Mesquita Brothers. As for Valencia, she's 5-1, so about the same experience level. She's out of New Haven, Connecticut, 31 years old. She is much taller at 5 foot even. 
with a 63 inch reach so at least her reach is a little bit longer and i'm again i'm not laughing because of the height i am i am laughing okay okay i'll just give it up i am laughing because this is so cute if, if you can imagine when this fight is going to start I, i'm going to paint a picture for you when these ladies go into the octagon look at how high the the cage will be <laughs> compared to them it's going to be like so much taller than them and then look at for example like even the, the referee and stuff and look at whoever comes into the octagon with them I mean, five foot is quite small in stature. They're going to be super athletic, though. I mean, they're going to be they're going to be jumpy as all hell. Spider Monkey is a great nickname, by the way, for Marissa, and that's for Alessandra, who goes by Alessandra Lily. I'm not sure if Lily has a Brazilian translation to like little little firecracker. Anyway, when they fight, versus let's say when Tanisha Tennant fights, when Tanisha Tennant fights, her head will be next to the top part of the cage. When these two fights, when these two fights. Listen to me. When they fight. It'll be like double their body size to get to the point where the top of the cage. Anyway, uh, as for the gym of choice here for Marissa, she trains out of the Ultimate MMA. And again, she'll have a significant reach advantage in this fight. I'm not sure how much that'll play into the actual fight, but it should be noted. Okay, so we're choosing Marissa Valencia by decision. That's our prediction. That's who we're going with. But in terms of confidence here, yeah, we're, we're, we're not very confident either way. The props we would actually look at would be the over two and a half, the fight going the distance, and then Valencia by split decision, which doesn't exist probably in any books because they won't give us that, but that's the bet I would make. So I'm not going to choose a side on the books in terms of betting anything on the money line. I won't be parlaying anything here. It's women's MMA, yes, okay, but it's also super closely matched. It's 105 pounds, no knockout potential. We're not going to see anything flash happen. So with a closely contested fight you know what i mean it's just like you're not really going to separate a lot of things here it's going to be two close fighters i think you don't want to get involved with the money line if anything chase the overs chase the distance props two small fighters again i'm being redundant you get the picture all right look at my notes here i don't want to skip anything okay so for valencia she's a solid grappler she likes to make her fights pretty ugly her striking power is limited but she makes up for with a lot of volume and an active pace so her solution to win the fight is like a butterfly, just be active, be on top of you. I mean, for what it's worth, Invicta is good competition, and making a debut with Invicta, coming from whatever other you know place you were fighting in, it is a factor. It is a factor, you know. And I, it's one of the reasons why we are leaning towards Marissa. She's more experienced. So the lack of competition and the limited film on Ferrera makes her skill level almost impossible to figure out for us. She has a southpaw. She's two into her last four fights. Here's the thing, though. If you're having trouble in the regional scene, you know, like regional, whatever regional scene, Brazilian scene, whatever the case may be, now you're moving up to Invicta, which is definitely, if I had to compare women's mixed martial arts promotions, like in terms of their order, I would say, obviously, UFC, right? And then I would put, I would put Bellator and the PFL right there with each other like tied for second and then from there i mean maybe invicta you know what i mean maybe that, that that's how high up in the food chain and if you're gonna you know squabble with me about i could say i'll pull out the names there's so many fighters that have gone to the ufc that used to be an invicta um we just talked about emily Dakota a second ago um there's a lot of them put it that way and so when it comes to being a feeder system and a level, that's how close we're talking. And so for Elizandra Ferreira to make this step up to Victor, having struggled in the regional scene, I don't know how you can get behind her from a betting perspective, you know. Um, but again, we're talking 105 pounds, 
Referees can see different things. Um, adjustments could have been made. They're both young fighters. So another big factor for me is facial damage. Okay, so facial damage can be a factor in this fight. When it comes to that category, Marissa tends to get herself a little cut up quickly. She's a bit of a bleeder. And in a, in a fight where you get 105 pounders and it's going back and forth, a little bit of blood or just enough redness or swelling on your face could be enough for the judges to give the fight to the other side. So last few thoughts here. Um, Valencia is one into an Invicta with both of her losses by split decision. So in another universe, she could quite frankly be 3-0 in Invicta. And so again, more reason for why we like Marissa. The pick is Marissa Messer Valencia by decision. As for the bet, again, we're going to go with the over two and a half rounds, potential parlay piece, and the fight with the distance as a straight up bet. If you could bet this fight, though, specifically, I would look at Marissa Valencia by split decision. We'll see what Alessandra Ferrer is like from Brazil. We'll see what she's made of as she makes her Invicta debut. That's the breakdown, guys. Moving up the card, we've got a bantamweight bout at 135 pounds between Claire Grizzly Guthrie and Autumn the Natural Norton. The Natural reminds me of the baseball movie from the 80s. I am dating myself right now, but that was an awesome baseball movie with, uh, was it Robert Redford? Yeah, yeah, it brings back uh, some good times. Anyway, back to this fight right here. Claire Guthrie, you might recognize her from The Ultimate Fighter, and uh, she's been on Invicta now a few times. A lot of potential, but uh, we're going to break this down and, and discuss some of the areas that at least are concerned for me. As for the pick, to get out of the way real quick, if you have to fast forward the video, we'll get this pick for you right now. Autumn Norton by decision is a prediction. I feel like over the course of three rounds, Claire Guthrie will tire, and then Autumn Norton uh, will just simply have the brighter moments, more pace, more pressure, and will win the fight by decision. All right, looking at the basics in these two fighters here. For Claire Guthrie, she's 4-1 overall. Out of Denver, Colorado. Okay, so she is fighting in her hometown. It is a factor. Going to decision, she should get the, you know, at least the crowd should be on her side. 27 years old. Five foot six and high with a 70 inch reach. And she trains out of Elevation Fight Team, which is in Colorado. So she's going to have her team there. You know, probably her, her, her partner, her boyfriend, whatever, you know, her family, the whole nine will be there for support. That matters. It does matter. Home field, home field matters. Sleeping in your own bed type of thing matters. Um, you know, all those things are, are factors for Autumn Norton. She's only two and one overall. I know people are probably like, well, why are you picking this guy to win or this girl to win? I'll explain it to you. Trust me. I'll explain it to you. She's two and one overall. So much, not much experience from Sacramento, California, 28 years old in 11 months. So about to be 29, which is weird. Like I think of Claire just being older than Autumn because Claire has a little more experience, but it's the other way around. Autumn has got five foot and five foot five in height, which means she's one inch shorter than Claire Guthrie, but I don't believe it. Having watched them both fight and the people they fought against and whatever, I think they're about the same height. And for Autumn North, she's got a 67 and a half inch reach. She trains out of MMA gold fight team. If you think the reach is a factor for Claire Guthrie having 70 inches compared to 67 and a half for Autumn Norton, I would say I don't think it'll be much of a factor. Claire is not the, you know, she's not a amazing striker, a boxer. That's not really where she, you know, butters her bread, put it this way. And we'll talk more about that. So the reach is not a big factor. And the height should be about the same. Age-wise, about the same. Experience-wise, big edge to Claire Guthrie. As we'll talk about more in a second here. All right, so Guthrie was in the Ultimate Fighter just last year. So if you didn't watch it, don't worry. Season was kind of eh. 
But the one thing about the females, you might remember, Juliana Miller. She became the eventual champion. Pretty young lady, big personality. Um, now she has fought, I think, maybe once in the UFC. I'm not sure if she won or lost. I can't recover, recall offhand. Um, but she lost to her, and she lost to her early on. So like it was her first fight on the uh, on the show. Not a terrible loss, considering the fact that Juliana Miller went, went on to win. But you saw some things about her style in that fight. You saw that early on in the fight, she had some things go her way. She had more strength. She was destroyed. And if you look at the way she's built, she's strong. You know, she's you know like a piston. So early on in the fight, she tends to get the muscling edge on things, the grappling edge. I'm sure she'll try that here with Autumn Norton. But then as the fight wanes on, I mean, it's hard not to notice that she does get tired. She hits some moments of fatigue. And then she'll have a bounce back moment. Okay, so... Looking at a recent fight of hers, I want to bring this up because I don't want to misspeak, misspeak, excuse me. Her last fight, she fought against, yes, Brigid or Brigid or Brigid Chase. Brigid Chase, who's three and two overall. And if you ever watch her fight, she's got one speed, 100 miles per hour, swinging like crazy, no ground defense, no fighter IQ, just mayhem. And Claire was like, listen, I got to take this girl to the ground and keep her under control. And she did that in round one. But then round two, Claire got beat the heck up by this girl. On the ground, on the feet, got beat up. Round three, Claire dips down to the to the shallows of whatever she's got left. And she pulls out a nice takedown, ground control. Fight's over. You see this chase girl, Brigade, Brigade, whatever. I keep saying this long, name wrong. She's fine. She stands up like she wants to keep fighting. Basically, she's frustrated. She got held down for the whole last round. But in Claire's defense, she did that. She took her down, held her down, and so did the job. So I don't want to be so negative on Claire Guthrie and be like, oh, you know, she came up short in the contenders on the ultimate fighter, and she's got bad cardio. Like, she's done some good things recently. My concern here is that Autumn Norton, like, she's not the one to mess with. She's got a story to tell. Like, she left the octagon for a while kind of went through her things personally and kind of rearranged her personal life rededicated back to the sport and in her last fight she wasn't the same autumn norton as before she came out looking sharper faster in better shape and got herself a round two tko finish over i mean a one-on-one opponent or i'm sorry two and oh opponent so not a big time opponent but the point is that this is a fighter who had a three-year layoff their last two fights so we didn't see autumn norton since 2019 she comes last year july of last year so just about six seven months ago and she's the kind of person when you saw her fight it was like you've been making improvements you've gotten better i think personally just me calling it out i think autumn norton fights in the ufc within the next two years probably not this year i mean she's only like two and one she'll go to three and one maybe four and one this year within the next two years we see her either on contender series or the UFC in some way, shape, or form, because she has it, and you could see it in her last fight. I'll be curious how the line comes out with this fight, because I, I believe the line will come out with her as a favorite, but probably not by much, because again, Claire Guthrie, ultimate fighter, had some experience, has a few recent wins, or just has at least the one win. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is a tough fight to call in terms of like a lot of confidence. I mean, I get what people have uh, hesitation on Autumn Norton, have not fought very much, but when you look at the film of Auden Norton recently and you see how she's just, you know, how she functions, it looks good, you know. Now, the one thing about Norton, so I, I, got, I got up on my high horse about Norton, 
she can fatigue a little bit at times. And when she fatigues, she gets real sloppy, meaning whatever wide punches were there before, now they're real wide. And if she does that, what's the repercussions? Yeah, the repercussion is going to be getting taken down. And that's what Claire wants to do is take you down, hold you, control you, and squeeze out a decision. Um, the spots we like the most of this fight, the fight going over two and a half rounds and the fight going the distance. The last prop people look at would be Norton by decision. Those are all good plays, but here's the thing. Maybe choosing a side here is not the best play. It's just that over two and a half and fight with a decision. They're both very durable. They're both very tough. We probably get a close fight. And do you want to be holding a Norton ticket <laughs> against a fighter who's from Denver, Colorado, fighting in Colorado? You know, Claire Guthrie, for everything I said about her before and the shortcomings, she does have a dog in her. She'll reach down and find that extra gear. And if Arm Norton can't put her away early and then she starts getting tired, we have that recipe for now. Autumn getting tired, slowing down. She went to a, she had a quick fight, her last fight. Next thing you know, we're elevation. We're in Colorado, the whole deal. You know, you're, you're breathing heavy. So you can see there's a path there for Guthrie. I'd be curious how the line comes out. Again, I'm going to assume the line comes out with Autumn Norton as a slight favorite. If it's not, I wouldn't be surprised. But we're still on Autumn Norton to win the fight, and specifically to win the fight by decision. That's our pick, guys. Good luck with this fight. All right, moving up the card. Next fight's going to be a bantamweight bout at 135 pounds between Olga Rubin, who goes by Big Bad, and Serena De Jesus, who goes by the Southpaw Outlaw. Before I go any further, I want to give a real special mention to Serena De Jesus. For those who don't know, she has openly discussed her diagnosis as having autism and just the various spectrums of autism. Most of us think of autism as a as one thing, you know, like you have chicken pox, so you have autism. We're still getting to know a lot more about what, you know, what autistic, what pe autistic people in autism are going through, what the different spectrums are. And so she's talked about this and she's a champion for that cause. But mind you, she's a professional mixed martial artist and she's fighting in one of the better promotions in the world. We talked before about how Invicta has sent athletes, many of them, you know, to the UFC. She's a good fighter. She's five and two. She's not some two and five fighter, you know, below 500. She's not a bit of a winning streak. She is an absolute 100% superstar. She's a rock star. If you don't follow her on the gram or on Twitter, follow her. Uh, Serena De Jesus is a real champion for all the good things in sports, athletics. For every young person out there, or even young or old, who has any struggles with, with any version of mental health or any kind of diagnosis that involves a struggle with mental health of some kind. This is a champion for, for all of you. Someone who's battling those challenges every single day and still performing and still excelling while acknowledging the struggle and acknowledging that it's a daily thing. Like if you were a recovering alcoholic, how it's a daily struggle. Anyway, back, back to this fight here. Um, we do like Olga Rubin by decision. Last fight for Olga Rubin, she barely lost split decision to Tanisha. So she very well could right now be the champion of this division um, instead of right now fighting uh, against Serena. So that's how close she is to being at the top of this whole you know scenario. She barely lost the fight. I thought she did a really good job. She went four and two in Bellator. So she had a heck of a run in Bellator. She's fairly athletic. If you've ever watched her fight before, she's got a good lean build, nice kicks. 
she had a fight not too long ago where she got kicked in the stomach and did that whole like oh duh, she had to go down and out and it was unfortunate but overall i like the volume pretty good jab she's not too hard to look at you know very attractive blonde where where's olga from let me double check here olga hails from israel but i remember this oh yes i did a little bit of research on olga she's from israel like currently now fighting out of london england but i believe she has roots in eastern europe like maybe even russian obviously hence the name olga excuse me i have to wet the palate if you're listening to this on the uh podcast just taking a little sip of my my morning coffee all right back to this fight i'm jumping all around here but uh my notes here on this fight so for Olga Rubin, at range works is pretty pretty good. Nice jab, uh, pretty fluid striker. She is a southpaw. Uh, that's always a nice little benefit. For Serena De Jesus, she finds herself in the midst of a four-fight winning streak. You know, <laughs> impressive, impressive. She's been a slight underdog in her last two fights. Now, how does she win her fights, especially her last fight? She goes out there as a slight underdog and basically just puts a pace and a volume on her opponent. And that's the worry if you like Olga Rubin. Like, we like Olga to win. This fight most likely goes to decision. So if you want to chase that prop, great idea. But Serena, what she does is she takes this high activity level and, like, doesn't stop. And then gets in your face. And next thing you know, like, it's not one punch hurting you. None of them are actually hurting you. It's just the volume and she won't stop. And then she starts leaning on you and then she starts kneeing you and nothing is super clean. Her boxing is nice and dirty at times against the fence, how she wants it to be. She does some of the Ch- Caitlin Chukagan, her stuff. And you know, she just mucks it up and stays busy. If you're fighting Serena De Jesus and you cannot finish her, then you got to do maybe one thing for sure. You better be sure that your strikes are the much bigger one. Like you knock her down type of thing or you wobble her. The judges can clearly see you're doing the thing. Maybe she's you cut her. If you're not doing some damage where she's getting cut or you're not wobbling her, and you're just in a three-round fight with Serena De Jesus, you're going to mess around and lose the fight because she's going to have so much damn volume and pace. And let's be honest, people root for her. Why wouldn't you root for this person? She's got a big personality. She'll, you'll see it when she's coming into the octagon. Yeah, I mean, this is a fight where Serena's never going to do anything, one thing that's going to be amazing. She's not going to go and, like, grapple her opponent to the ground and get a rear naked choke. That's not really in her wheelhouse. She's not going to knock somebody out with one-punch power, but she'll just put a bunch of pace on your ass, a bunch of volume on you, and if you're not careful, Olga Rubin, she'll snatch a round or two from you, and heck, even if it's just close, you know what I mean? The spots we look for, we look for betting on this fight are the over two and a half rounds, and the fight goes a distance, along with Ruben by decision. I say Ruben by decision, but I don't even know if DraftKings offers the exact winning props. So you're looking at over two and a half, they usually offer that. And the fight goes a decision, they usually offer that prop. And then Olga Ruben winning the fight. I, I think, look, if you want to bet De Jesus here, especially when the line comes out and it's maybe some good plus money, like maybe anything over plus 200 for De Jesus, you're going to want to look at that carefully. Because she's been winning recently as a slight dog. You know, you would figure to be this line probably doesn't come out that way though. Line probably, line probably comes out with her at like plus one fifty to plus one sixty range with Olga sitting at like minus two ten. That'd be my guess. So, 
But the pick here is going to be Olga Rubin, the Russian slash English slash Israeli uh, to win by decision over, dare I say, beating Serena De Jesus. But I, I said my, my, my piece about Serena. Much respect to her. Much respect to everyone in her circle. Uh, just all this respect in the world. All right, let's move on, guys. Here we go. Okay, co-main event time. Another title on the line here, flyweight division. That's 125 pounds. So we're talking very lean, small athletes here. Christina Williams, former UFC fighter, versus Caitlin Souza. Just to give you the pick out of the way right now so you don't have to wait for the end of this breakdown. Caitlin Souza, somehow inside the distance, is the pick. All right, so let's talk here about these two fighters. For Williams, 6-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in her last five fights. From Edmond, Oklahoma. I'm going to bring something up here. I recall a fight of hers. <clears throat> must have been last year or something. And she fought. I think it was in Oklahoma. And the fans were just so, you know, ready to go. And for those who don't have a map handy, Oklahoma is not very far from Colorado. So can you imagine a few people get in the crowd, friends, family, or just a local Coloradian get a few beers in him and sees this, you know, fairly attractive girl from Oklahoma. And then the crowd gets all juiced up. The point is I saw her win a fight that I didn't really, wasn't sure she won, but the crowd was just so into it. And it was a fight in the Midwest last year or so. She'll have that going for her against Caitlin Souza, who's going to be a little far from home from Brazil. So for wherever that matters. Anyway, Williams is from Oklahoma, 33 years old. 5'8", highway to 67.5 inch reach. She trains out of the Forge MMA and also Killer Bees Performance Center. As for Souza, she has a nickname. I can try to make an attempt here. Esquentadina. <laughs> That's my attempt. Esquentadina. There we go. 12-3 and three overall. 4-1 in her last five fights. Out of the Amazonas, Brazil area. That's intense. I'm not only from Brazil. I'm from a place called Amazonas. 27 years old, so six years younger. 5'3", five, five inches shorter. No reach on her, but I'm going to imagine her reach will be shorter than Williams. And she trains out of Team Felipe Rego, which I've never heard of. Got to a point now where you start recognizing the gyms down in Brazil. There's a lot of them, but this one doesn't ring a bell. Looking at my notes in these two fighters here, let's talk here about Christina first. She went 1-3 in, in Bellator. Did I say she was former UFC guys? What was I? What was I talking about? Scratch all the talk about her going one and three in the UFC. I don't know what was I talking about. Fail. Er, scratch. Bad host. She went one and three in Bellator before ripping off three wins in a row recently. She's faced good competition. Emily Decody, who's currently in the UFC. Juliana Velasquez, who's the former Bellator champion. She just lost again to what's her name in. Had a shot to win it back, but lost it. And Denise Kyleholtz, who is a Bellator mainstay, not a UFC fighter, but good competition. These three fighters that she lost to are all quality fighters. At the same time, she doesn't have any wins over good fighters, right? So it's like glass half full, half empty. On one side of it, she's losing a good competition. Other side of it, she's not beating a competition. The lack of power in her punching creates a dynamic where basically her opponent's they pick up on the fact she's not punching very hard. They could just walk right through her punches. 
over the course of a fight, you'll notice that when her opponent figures out there's not much in the end of her punches, they'll take more chances, especially fighters like Emily Ducote or fighters like Julian Velasquez who start to just walk through whatever she was throwing. Her path to victory is going to be involving the judges. She's not a big-time finisher. This is 125 pounds, so not many of them are big-time finishers in this division. She's going to need to put on a show in two of the three rounds. That's where we get back to the fact that this is going to be in her backyard to some extent. That might become a factor. As for the Brazilian, Caitlin Souza, she comes into this fight looking for her fifth win in a row. So nice streaked. Some of her best qualities, she's got a very good chin. Matter of fact, yeah, she got knocked down in a fight. Carnalosi, she was fighting Carnalosi. Knocked down in round one. A bit of a flash knockdown, but enough that it was a clear knockdown. She recovered, shook it off. I'd say within about 30 seconds later, she was fully back engaged, never got knocked out again for the rest of the fight. Carnalosi, who's obviously in the UFC. But uh, so, yeah, she's got a chin. She's, uh, put it this way, her style's not like ballerina like. <laughs> it's not very, um, her hands are a little bit lower. She kind of just walks you down flat footed. She wants to slug with you. Uh, she has like a shorter haircut, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that she's butch, but like her, her style is like kind of butch, like, you know, she's out there to brawl with you and she's got a chin. And so it can be intimidating for a fighter like Christina Williams. The problem might become is even if she tags this Brazilian, you know, one, two, three, right in the you know, face, the Brazilian's going to just dip her shoulders and look for a hard punch. And this fight may come down to, do the judges value the one or two big hard shots that are coming from Caitlin Souza versus the seven or eight pitter-pat punches come from Williams. And again, I keep saying, the judges are probably going to play a big factor in this fight. For Souza, she has some finishing ability. But Christina Williams, you know, Bellator experience, she's been around the block. She has a bit of a chin. For all this talk about her not punching very hard, she's got a lot of heart, good chin. She'll have the length advantage, use her arms to tie things up. And again, we're talking 125-pound fighters, right? For Souza, her typical, her typical path to victory is going to involve a stand-up fight. She's not a big grappler. That also plays into the side of Christina Wims. She doesn't have to worry about being tackled down or wrestled by a smaller jiu-jitsu type of fighter. Souza wants to fight the feet. There should, be a, there should be some excitement here. For the crowd, at least, there should be some excitement at some point within these three rounds. But I do believe it still goes to the scorecards. And at that point... You know, actually, I'm no. I'm changing. I'm changing course there. I, I think this fight gets finished in the, inside the distance by Souza. I think she does land a really hard shot. I was looking at my notes here. I almost traveled off on the wrong path, but no, uh, my notes don't mislead me here. Caitlin Souza into the distance is the prediction. I see it most likely being even by like a body shot. Souza hits so hard. Christina, longer, lankier. Um, but if it goes to the judges' scorecards. I'll tell you what, you're going to want to be holding a Christina Williams ticket. From a betting perspective, we like the fight going under two and a half rounds and the fight not going the distance. And then, of course, Sozo on the money line will be another bet we'll be looking at. So for the official bets, we're going to be posting those on our newsletter on Substack. That link is down below for that. We also post them on Twitter most of the time. We'll be posting them on our Patreon account pretty soon. But uh, for the official bets on this card, what I'll do is a summary at the end and give you all of our official bets for this Invicta FC 51 card. Now, I'm giving those bets out to you guys in way in advance because, unfortunately, this card, it'll be coming out on the, you know, what, 18th of January, but we won't get lines on this until maybe the 16th or so, and I want this video to come out much sooner. So do the best we can to give you the best, you know, betting angles possible. 
but we'll actually tweet out and put out on our Substack as well newsletter the official picks at what 24 to 48 hours before the actual event takes off so all right let's move on guys here we go The main event for Invicta FC 51 is going to be a bantamweight bout at 135 pounds between Tanisha Tennant, who goes by triple threat, versus Talita Bernardo, the Brazilian fighter. Bernardo's 9-4 overall, 4-1 in her last five fights. She hails from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, 35 years old, about to be 36 pretty soon. 5 foot 4 and 168 in treach, and she's out of IF team. As for Tanisha Tennant, 5-1 overall, a little less MMA experience, 4-1 in her last five fights. From New York City, New York, 33 years old, five foot seven in height with a 72 inch reach, and I emphasize the five seven and 72 inch reach because she'll have about a three inch height advantage and roughly a four inch reach advantage. If she fights her game plan, that will matter. If Talita closes distance and grapples her, then that range and that you know reach advantage will have you know no no play in this fight. As for Tennant, she trains out of Budokan Martial Arts Academy. All right, so I have some notes in these two fighters. I'm not going to take too much time. I'm going to tell you right now that in the most recent fights that I've looked at of Tanisha Tennant, the biggest question mark for me is a sense of urgency or the lack thereof. Her last fight, for example, she got into a back and forth, very close fight, won by split decision. So she kind of just barely held on to her belt. And she got that split decision win over Olga, who's also on this fight card. We'll talk about her too. Um... Olga Rubin. The fight was so close that at times I couldn't understand why Tennant wasn't, you know, pushing, you know, like realizing, hey, this is a close fight. I've got to, you know, have a sense of urgency. What I felt like a lot of leaf, a lot of meat was left in the bone. She has good volume, but limited power. We are talking 135 pounds, which makes sense. Um, I should preface that her volume needs to be better. So her volume is just not enough. Um, her striking looks good at range. She does that well. So her kicking, nice long legs. She's got a bit of a boxing background. So that looks natural. It looks good. But when I'm looking at her most recent wins, the people that she's beat, like Lisa Rizzoza by decision, um, these are lower level talented fighters. And to case, in the case of Olga uh, Rubin, it should be said that Olga Rubin had run in the Bellator and whatever else. So she's actually a decent opponent. But heck, that fight, some people thought Olga won and at least one judge thought she won. So what am I saying to you? What I'm saying to you is Tanisha Tennant did not do anything recently to like knock your socks off and get you very excited. I think when you're looking at her without ever seeing her fight, her physique is impressive, the long physique. And if you're just looking at it on paper, you're thinking the range, distance, there's the advantages, right? No ground game. Tanisha Tennant has stand-up offense. I'll give her that. If you take her down, she'll get up. But in terms of doing something on the ground offensively, that's not her wheelhouse. So she's a stand-up only fighter with limited striking power. What's her path to victory? By decision, outvolume her opponent. I mentioned a boxing background. So she doesn't have like a judo, jiu-jitsu, wrestling background. Okay, so her background is straight up striking. And that's where she looks her best. As for Talita Bernardo, former UFC fighter we mentioned before, she went 1-3 in, in the UFC. Kind of a tough situation because you see one in three, you're like, oh, she kind of sucks. But then again, she fought some decent competition. You know, she fought Vivian Araju. You know, she she fought some decent fighters, okay? Her experience level is twice as much in the cage, period. She has more fights. And then also, she's fought much better competition. I'm thinking Talita Bernardo would have to really drop the ball here to not be able to use that experience. Some grappling, 
push Tanisha up against the cage, physically take advantage of her because Tanisha is not, again, she's very long. She's tall. So you can see how a, a shorter fighter can get their head under her chin, take advantage of her physically, hold her there, scrape her down. And now we've got a situation where Tennant could get back up, maybe gives up her back, you know, and so on and so on. Now, looking at Talita Bernardo's most recent record, I wanted to look at something here. I had a note to remind myself. So she's coming off of these losses in the UFC to Irene Aldana, Marion Renault, which is eh, and Vivian Araja knocked her out. That is one concern I do have for Talita. Is and of her four losses in her career, she was knocked out in two of those four losses. Looking at this fight, though, I don't see that being in the cards. If you watch some film on Tanisha Tennant, and it's out there, this film of her out there, again, she's got middle-of-the-range volume, not a lot of power, and I would have to imagine Talita would really have to do something silly to find herself in the crosshairs. Dare I say that I believe that Tennant would be the kind of fighter where even if she buzzed her opponent, she wouldn't push the gas pedal down far enough because she lacks that sense of urgency. So grappling-wise, is there an avenue there for Talita? Absolutely. Now, is she a big-time grappler? I guess it depends on who she's fighting, how much cardio she's got, you know, because in the beginning of a fight, she'll chase one or two takedowns, but then if she gets defended, she'll give up on that game plan. And then if you're betting on Talita, you're like, oh... Don't give up on the grappling, on the grappling, you know, try to stick with it. On the feet, if it's like two full rounds on the feet, there's where Tennant has a path to victory. We gotta acknowledge it. Um, that's where she wants to have the fight. It's gonna be up to Toledo to close the distance, make it a little bit ugly, grapple her, bring her down. The betting spots we like the most for this fight are the over two and a half rounds and the fight goes to distance. That's not rocket science, now, but it is a five-round fight. So seeing going the distance in this situation is going to be five full rounds, but I still see it going five full rounds. The over two and a half, over three and a half, they might not be available. So that prop's probably not going to be available. From a parlay standpoint, because we will do some parlays today, I don't believe that we're going to be doing any parlaying with this fight. Um, there's going to be some question marks there on both sides, but the pick is going to be Toledo, uh, Toledo Bernardo, by decision, I have some sense of confidence there. Though I'll tell you what, one mistake that we've made in the past is, or everyone's made this mistake, you bet against the fighter because you lack so much confidence in that fighter. And so maybe having such a built up feeling towards going against Tenet, you know, is, is not jading us into thinking that, oh, Bernardo should win this fight easily. I don't think it's gonna be quote unquote easy. I just believe that Bernardo has the experience specifically in the UFC against some good opponents. She should be able to do enough grappling here, some control time, and I just don't see Tenet doing enough. And uh, and so we have a fight to go towards Bernardo by decision. That's the pick, guys. Let's move on. Actually, no, that's the last fight in the card, so we're not moving on. I'll give you a quick summary of their picks here in just a second. Be right back. And here we are at the end of the episode. I hate to tell you guys, I can't give out parlays and I can't give out official bets right now because as of the timing of the recording of this video, we still don't have those numbers available. So that would be irresponsible of me to give you some bets that don't have any numbers attached to them. But what you need to do is follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, um, give a follow on our, our Substack newsletter. On our newsletter, we will publish 24 hours before the fights. We give out our official bets. We send them out via email. They're in your inbox early in the morning. You can check them out, see what the picks are. If you're on DraftKings, take a plug at some of the shots. We usually do well with Invicta. I'll tell you that um, it's it's a shorter card, so it's like more compact, seven, eight fights. You could focus more on each fight. 
and there's a removal of some of the variances. Like we don't have to deal with the quick knockouts. Not usually. Um, we usually don't deal with some of the different, let's say, factors that you see in the UFC. Uh, the fight cards don't change as much. There's a lot less of the last minute pullouts of these you know, fighters. So whatever that does, it, it seems like we have more consistency across the board. All right, so our picks to win, just a real quick summary, starting from the top. We like Toledo Bernardo to win in the main event to be the new champion in that division, the new Bantamweight champion. Moving down to the co-main event, we like Ketlin Souza to defeat Christina Williams. And we like Ketlin Souza quite a bit. I'd say she's damn near one of our locks on this card, if I could say that. There's never a lock, right? Never a lock in mixed martial arts. Next fight, Olga Rubin versus Serena de Jesus. We like Olga Rubin to win, but there's an asterisk by this. I, I feel as if, you know, we made our case earlier as to why we like Olga and the experience and whatnot. But Serena de Jesus is not the kind of fighter you want to bet against, not in the octagon and not in real life. So I'm not going to be putting any money there behind Olga Rubin of any kind to win the fight. I'll be looking more for the prop of the fight going over two and a half rounds and or the fight going to this decision. Moving down to Autumn Norton versus Claire Guthrie. We like Autumn Norton here. I think she's one of the one or two fighters, maybe two or three fighters on this card who actually makes her way into the UFC in the near future. Ton of talent. She doesn't mind bleeding. If you've watched some of her recent fights, you know, she got into a fight recently, her last fight where she knocks out the opponent. On paper, you just see the knockout, round two knockout, right? Go back and watch her last fight. She gets into a slugfest with this girl. She's bleeding, and right after she knocks the girl out, she then takes the blood and then wipes it like down her face on purpose and wipes it into her mouth and like starts licking it. And she, yeah, she's that's how she rolls, okay? So yeah, Autumn Norton, crazy girl, like her. I think if you get a line on round minus 185 to minus 200 on her, hammer it. Don't go too crazy. Don't go too crazy. But hammer it, parlay it. If she's upwards around minus 350, now we got to be a little careful. Because look, Claire Guthrie, for what it's worth, she's always going to be game. She's got the wrestling. You know, she's you know she can be heavy on top. Her IQ, cardio, you know, issues. The Autumn Norton gets the best of her. But if we get out of range here where it's like a minus three, 300 spot for Autumn Norton, at that point, we're going to have to be responsible and start looking at Claire Guthrie as a possible dog to bet on. Okay, moving down to Adam Waite. 105 pounders, Marissa Valencia versus Alessandra Ferreira. We like Mar Marissa to win the fight. Not very confident. Uh, the concern here is that, you know, she doesn't wear damage very well. She tends to get hit. Um, she slows down a bit. And, and for 105 pounders, when I say slows down a bit, that, that says a lot because these tend to be high energy fighters. But she she tends to really get herself ramped up, hits the, hits the gas pedal fully, then slows down a bit, gets sloppy, hands come down, starts getting hit. But Alessandra Ferreira, we don't have much to go off of. She's only 24 years old. You know, it's hard to get a lean either way. Probably not going to bet in this fight at all from a side of winning. Maybe just looking at the over two and a half. I mean, over two and a half rounds on a, on a female fight at 105 pounds. If you're betting on this pretty much every day, all day, you're probably coming out on the positive end over the course of time. So that's where we're going to be sticking to from a betting perspective. And we like Marissa to win the fight. Next fight down, Rihanna Amanda versus Katie Saul. We are on Katie Saul to give it a good go. We, we like her to you know use her veteran experience, 35 years old, to go in there and at least make it a good fight. But I think Rihanna Amanda eventually at some point gets her anaconda grips around her and finds either a submission or TKO of some kind. But I think maybe submission is actually the more likely path for her. So Rihanna Amanda wins the fight by submission. That's our pick. Um, over two and a half rounds, definitely going to look at that. Fight going to distance, yes, look at that. Even though I'm saying Amanda by a submission, it's still a fight at 105 pounds between two female fighters. So you're always, again, better off looking at that over 
the over two and a half prop. All right, so next fight down, which should be the second fight in the card, strawweight battle, 115 pounds, Fatima Klein versus Laura Gallardo. Love Fatima Klein. She's the second most confident fighter we're behind on this card. So her and Ketlin Souza will be the two fighters we would be looking to lock in as parlay pieces and then maybe build from there with one more leg. But Fatima Klein, we expect her to open up around minus 300. You're going to have to pay the chalk on her. She is, she's really just got a lot of potential. We talked about in the breakdown. As for Laura Gallardo, you know, could, she had an opportunity in the Ultimate Fighter. She's fought in some decent competition. I think the word's out on what she is. And, you know, I think right now she's just an average fighter. She belongs in Invicta, yes. But Fatima Klein is going to probably get the win here and probably get it inside the distance. And then the first fight in the card, which may not be available to bet on, Tanya Nijar versus Sayuri Cannon. Tons of unknowns, not a bet-worthy fight. If, you, if, you, if you're going to go ahead and press me and say you got to bet in the fight, you got to give me some kind of lean some way, which way or the other, I'm going to go with Tanya Nijar to win the fight by decision. Fight goes over two and a half rounds. So those are your pick, guys. Again, just as a review, we like Caitlin Sosa a lot. We like Fatima Klein a lot. Those would be our two picks we like the most. And then probably number three on that list would be Autumn Norton. I know she's fighting Claire Guthrie. Claire Guthrie's a decent fighter. But those three we like a lot. And then the fourth in that order would then be Toledo Bernardo to beat Tanisha Tennant in the main event. The fights we have little confidence, but we're choosing a side. Olga Rubin, low confidence. Marissa Valencia, low confidence. Katie Saul versus Rihanna Amanda, low confidence in that fight. And then the first fight in the card as well. There it is, guys. That's your full breakdown for Invicta FC 51. Now, if you want our official bets again, please follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Those links are down below in the description. Or sign up to our newsletter. The newsletter is free. It comes out every single week. In the newsletter, you get a full breakdown. It's all written up. If you have some computer skills, you can go and put that onto your computer somewhere and have it read it out back to you. If you are not following us on YouTube and just coming by this channel for the first time, we do actually have a video that comes out that's like an audiobook. So for this card, for example, if you look through our recent videos, you're going to see there's an audiobook version of this breakdown. And so you can pop that on. It's about like 11, 12 minutes or something like that. And it reads to you our basically paraphrased notes of the full breakdown for this card. It's a nice read. It's got a accent, a UK accent, female accent, which is something you could just put on in the background, some background noise. But uh, we offer that for our UFC breakdowns, Invicta breakdowns. And some of the other events will do it coming up, mostly for UFC, because it kind of coincides with our newsletter. It's more or less a mirror of our newsletter, but it's an audiobook format. Okay, I talked enough for today. Oh, my pen's falling out. Thank you guys for joining us. For those of you on the podcast, please do not forget to give us a rating. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a five-star rating. For those of you right here on YouTube with us, slam the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you're not subscribed yet. Share our content. Leave some comments down below. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. Deuces.